Let's take up our Bibles together and turn to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. We'll take for our reading and for our consideration this morning uh, the end of Paul's commands or those rules for Christian households. So speaking again of wives and husbands and children now coming to bond servants, what we can bring forward today in terms of employees. Certainly employers have an understanding in chapter 4, verse 1, but we want to speak specifically of how we work in whatever we do and all that we're called to so that we would go forth loving and serving Christ best of all. So let's hear these words together from Paul, Colossians 3, verses 22 through 25. We pay special, careful attention to the reading of God's word because it is the greatest thing that he has provided in his providence for you today, that you would hear it, that you would be changed by it by way of an infallible, inerrant word. Bondservants obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You are serving the Lord Christ. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there is no partiality. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God stands forever. Let's ask his blessing upon it. Our Lord and merciful Heavenly Father, in your providence you have brought us before familiar words ones that we've heard any number of times before. And Father, in so doing, there must be a reason for that. For you know our hearts, and you know our labors, and you know what you've called us to, and you know what you would have for us. And we recognize, Father, the idols that we seek after by way of our work. We understand those things that we chase after by way of the same. And Lord, you bring us needful correction this morning. You bring it through one who is also in need of correction, one who is broken just like everyone else here. But Lord, one called to work and to work diligently to bring this word before your people. But Father, there is no success in it apart from the working of your Holy Spirit. And so Lord, would you fill me with your words this morning? Would you speak them to the hearts of those that you would call near to yourself? And would you work your change in your time and in your way by way of your work for your glory. And so, Father, may we give special attention to your word. You speak to us now. And so, hear us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, you slacker. You slacker. I hope that's something you haven't heard other than when Terry says it to you in jest, maybe in the narthex after church. You slacker. And when we hear that word, there's something that wells up in us right away of, what are you talking about? Slack. I mean, we're Dutch Reformed people. We wouldn't know anything about what that word would even mean. In fact, there are few traits that we dislike more when we consider work or our workspaces than someone who would get that kind of title. Slacker lazy, indifferent, doesn't show initiative, can't pick up a room, make sure to make sure all the seats and all the chairs 
continue to stay firmly fixed to the ground. When people talk about their employees, when people talk about their workspaces, what is the thing that they complain about most? They struggle with how little work is done, with people who are unwilling to work, who aren't given to a proper work ethic, to the people they employ, not caring about the quality of their work or putting in an honest day's work who don't care about the company's machinery, their products, or their customers. Certainly they're the first one in line on payday, and yet we say people who agree to give an honest day's work would get an honest day's wage. But what does that mean? What does that seem to mean anymore? What does that mean to us? You see it isn't happening today. And such attitudes hurt and affect businesses. They destroy livelihoods and dreams. And it isn't just a struggle with the employees then, because the employer now is what? Frustrated, discouraged. Why can't I find people who want to work honestly and diligently? And again, it'd be easy for us in this space and place to simply dismiss these words on a Labor Day weekend. These attitudes certainly would not be mine. These kinds of attitudes, these kinds of actions would not be those among Christians, right? And I think it used to be that way. Maybe for some yet, I'd really like to employ more Christians because they're the hardest working people I work, that work for me. And they're honest, and they're diligent, and they're kind. But you don't hear that clamor anymore. Something's happened. That for those of us who have pledged to serve the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to serve and love neighbor as ourselves, even among them, there seems to be an entitlement. Lord, do for me. Give me. Let me do little, but let me get much. And it's made more apparent in the demands and disrespect that are spoken. And so for a few moments on this Labor Day weekend, I want you to pause. I want you to think about your work, the one you work with or for. And I don't want you to dwell there, but I want you to consider its caliber, its quality. Have we considered our labor, truly examining our hearts to consider whether we serve those that we are employed by or the ones that we provide service to in an understanding that how we work, how we speak, how we live, how we serve, the effort we give, the talents we put forth, To consider that the way that we do that affects our witness about the one who has served us in our salvation. Have you thought about it? That if you've ever rightly been framed as a slacker, what does that speak in terms of your faith in the Savior? Does it mean anything? Does his word mean anything? And so the beauty of the phrases in our text this morning are the fact that it doesn't limit it. We're not limited to a job description or these are my responsibilities or these are the ways that I have to serve and those aren't mine. Those are somebody, there's no one else to pass the buck to this morning. 
in everything, in whatever you do, in whatever you're called to by way of his kingdom service, no matter how great, no matter how small, no matter how entry level, no matter how high up, no matter how majestic or mundane, are you doing it with the whole of your heart? Every bit of your soul, every ounce of your being, serving not men, serving the Lord, the one you have said is your Savior and your Lord, is that you? That the word slacker would never be used, but always on the lips, that's a servant. That's one who follows the Savior. How will we be described even in this weekend? Knowing that we will receive a reward inheritance in the last day, not on the basis of our works, but on the basis of His. And that very fact should motivate you to that every bit of your being service. Oh, how He is loved. Oh, how He is given. Oh, how He is served. How He has held nothing back. And so, Lord, I will not either for the glory of your name. Are you motivated to thankful obedience and hard work in the days God has given to you? Because work isn't a curse. It's cursed now. But that work was given before the fall. To serve the Lord in gladness for his provision. And in Christ, that is your call as well. And so Paul's words here in Colossians, and they're the same almost identically in the book of Ephesians, speak to our call to work in that understanding of how we are to do that work and more to the one that we're to direct that work to in thanks for his goodness, provision, and glory. So in everything, in whatever you do, you are to work sincerely, you see that in verse 22, heartily in verse 23, and expectantly in verses 24 and 25. In everything, in whatever, you're to work sincerely. And you see that in verse 22. Let's hear it again. Bondservants, obey in everything those who are your earthly masters, not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Here Paul gives you the direction of all of your labor. If you're taking notes, that's the key. Here's the direction. Here's the focus. And that has to be kept in mind, not just when we've punched in or punched out. This is all the time. That some of you say, well, the pastor is never off. That that even on his off day, he's always on. And, And emergency workers and a number of other people, those of you who are on call. In terms of our life for Christ, we're always on call. We're always called to service. So in terms of that focus then, it's a focus on obedience. That's the thing right away. Bond servants, first command, obey. Obey in everything you do. And so since that obedience must be sincere, our work in everything we do must be sincere. Obedience is the command. And that seems funny. It seems redundant. But it's the reminder that we need. And we're called to obedience in Christ 
because we're no longer in the flesh. And it's an interesting wordplay here in the text because we hear earthly masters, and that's a that's a translation to get at the point of the fact that these are your masters on earth or in the life that you live. But literally it says masters in the flesh. So there's a fleshy aspect, there's a, a world aspect of, of what we are. But yet we're no longer in the flesh if we're in Christ. So it's that in the world, but not of it. I work in the world, but I don't work like the world. Because my focus is different. And the direction of my labor is different. But yet that fleshy part of us still fights us. I'm just a little bit tired today. You know, if I just work a little bit harder than that guy, if I mail it in today, I'll make it up tomorrow. You see, we have to fight it. Because we follow something different. We follow something, rather someone better now. And we are seeking to show him that gratitude and thankfulness of our heart for all that he has done for us and provided for us to give thanks to him for his indescribable gift. That's the direction of my service. I want to make his praise glorious. And so I'm to obey even that fleshy master in everything. I'm to give honor and respect where it is due. Young people, at times, there's that bid, and, and it's more, I think, an adult problem than your problem, where we don't like those bits of authority, right? So someone comes up to you and says, hey, mister, oh, no, it's just, and we give that name, right? We, we've lost that. And so what happens, not only in the home, we start losing an understanding of authority structure, we lose it at the workplace, too. And now there's no understanding of employer and employee distinction. There's no understanding of the respect and deference that is owed. It leads to a breakdown of a number of different sources. And so we are called then to obedience in that kind of respect, in that kind of deference. That when I am asked at work to do something, I do it wholeheartedly. That I do what I am tasked with, whether I like it or not. Whether I feel like doing it or not. Why? Because in that relationship, how you treat that one speaks of how you treat this one. How you treat your boss reflects how you treat your boss. And that's hugely important. And yet, hear this and hear it plainly. You are not to just serve them with that understanding of your flesh, your being. The work that you are providing your employer is never separated from your heart's motivation, from your identity in Christ. Your work is different. The caliber must be different because you don't serve them as one serving them in the flesh. Romans 8, 5 and 6, For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. Direction for us. But those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. How I will serve my employer speaks of the direction of my life in the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death. But to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. There is blessing. There is flourishing. 
And that's going to look different. Your work should look different in every way because of your identity in Christ. And how will that look differently? Way one, not by way of eye service as people pleasers. Not just when eyes are on you. Not just when there's some accountability. Not just when the boss is at the work site. Not just when he's checking up on you. All the time. Not just when you get a reward. Not just when you've been promised commendation or a bonus. Not as people pleasers. And that for some of you, when you hear that word, and some of us are self-confessed people pleasers. We want to make people happy. We'll do whatever it takes, but that might not be faithful. It might not be right. It might not be good. But it's also the wrong focus. That for me, frankly, as a pastor, I can be so overwhelmed and consumed by what people think. What did they like? What did they dislike? What did they hate? What are they annoyed with? What are they? And you just get to that point where you're like, I can't. You will never please everybody. And maybe you feel that way at work too. I will never please everybody. You don't have to. You have to please one. Am I living faithfully before the Lord? One. Not by way of eye service as people pleasers, but hear it with sincerity of heart. That children and young people, I'm not bringing up the fact that you're already back at school, but, but maybe in class this year, you're going to start learning how to write a letter. And I know that seems weird because even what is handwriting, so we've got to type it now, and what is this weird loopy writing that Pastor Niver sends notes with that we can't read? It's called cursive. But you're going to learn how to write a letter. And at the end of those letters, you have to figure out a way to end it. And so a lot of times, especially in a very cordial or formal letter, you'll write sincerely. Okay? When you write sincerely, what you're saying is, everything I've said in this letter is my heart. Everything in this letter is the truth. Sincerely. And so it doesn't sound very warm and fuzzy, but it gets at that truth. This is true of me and my heart. And so your work then, in every way, in the beginning of it and end of it and all of it, is to say sincerely. This is my heart. That someone would come to the end of your 8-hour or 10-hour or 12-hour or however many hours of that day and say, I have seen their heart. If someone looks at your work day, do they see your heart in Jesus? Is that what they see? You see, Paul is calling us to be truthful, more to be single-focused, one-hearted in a commitment to love and serve well in obedience. And that's a huge commitment. Like that's a strap on the boots and get the big lunchbox and get do it, and the hard hat, and the whole gig. Like, you're in it. You're equipped. 
because that's a commitment to serve more faithfully because of your relationship to a holy God and to your employer, no matter if he's a brother or not. I'm going to serve you because I serve Christ. It's a commitment to serve more faithfully because your reputation, more the reputation of Christ and your faith, is at stake every time you punch in. That's what you're speaking. That's what you're living. A testimony that is improved or destroyed by way of the quality and caliber of your serving. People watch. People look. And what should they see? One fearing the Lord. This ultimately is the basis of all the direction and motivation you ever need. Why do I show up to work on time? Because I fear the Lord. Why do I work an honest day? Because I fear the Lord. Why do I go above and beyond? Because I fear the Lord. We fear God and seek in obedience to keep his commandments. Proverbs 1.7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And there are a number of places you can go to the Proverbs to look up that word, kids, sluggard, which is kind of today's slacker. You'll read it there and see it. But to fear the Lord. To be able at the end of your work day to write sincerely. Is that your heart's motivation? If it's not, now is the time for repentance. It's not too late. Not to go back tomorrow or if you have the day off on Tuesday. And say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for how often I've mailed it in. I'm sorry for how many times I've slacked off. I'm sorry for the ways that I've stolen from you that which Christ has called me to offer you. And so I want to pledge to you that I'm going to seek in whatever way I can to be faithful. What a testimony to an Christian employer. What a testimony to one that's not. So work sincerely, truthfully, but also work heartily. We see that in the next verse, in verse 23. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. Here, if you're looking before, the direction of our work works sincerely. The motivation of our work work heartily. And the sister path are in back in verse 17, and you can see again the the drawing out now of in everything you do. Look back, Colossians 3.17, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Whatever you do. Oh, does it matter? I mean, my job, does it really matter? I mean, it's just a, a starting job. It's just weeding a garden. It's just taking out the trash. It's just 25 or 50 cents or inflation, 10 bucks in allowance. Is it a big deal? Does it matter? Does my work as a garbage man matter? Does my work at the paper mill matter? Does my work in the machine shop making little tiny screws and nuts and bolts, does it matter? All work matters, whatever you do. There's dignity in whatever you do. 
in whatever you do. There is purpose and calling in every work. Every work you've been given to by God is worth it. So work heartily. I love that word. But it's more here than heart. This is soul. This is heart. This is all the stuff. Work with everything you have, all your heart and all your soul, because you've been delivered body and soul. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. So in thankfulness, go out and obey and love and serve the Lord. Work with all your heart and soul in thanksgiving because Christ has done all things for you and your salvation with that kind of hearty motivation. I have not come to do my will, but to do your will, Lord. He didn't mail it in. He didn't take a day off. So follow Christ doing your work with singleness of purpose, with everything you've got in authentic care and compassion and service. Because again, how you're motivated this way, horizontally, speaks of how you're motivated vertically. Hear it in Titus 2. Bond servants are be to submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not pilfering, but showing all good faith And hear this, not only is there a whatever, but now here's an in everything, so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. To adorn it. Young ladies, when you play dress up and you get the big pearl earrings and the kind of clown makeup and whatnot, and it's so pretty and so beautiful, how well adorned you are. What we're making beautiful is the truth of Christ because it's incarnated even as he's been incarnated for us. And what is that motivation? As for the Lord and not for men. Work heartily as for the Lord. So in that way, your boss doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if he's kind or not so kind, good or not so good. Your service isn't primarily to him. Your service is for the Lord. It says in Ephesians 6, 7, rendering service with a good will as to the Lord and not to men. Hear it plainly. Your motivation should not be the commendation of men because you're not working hard for men. Your condemnation or your commendation, the one you want, is the one of Christ. Because we're working toward a day where he's going to take us to himself. And we don't know when that's going to happen. But when he calls us home, I don't want to hear slacker. I want to hear well done. Well done, good and faithful servant. Come enjoy the rest that I've provided for you. Give yourself heartily everything you are with that kind of expectation. And that's where Paul finishes this text. Work expectantly in verses 24 and 25. The proper expectation for our work. Knowing, verse 24 
that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You're serving the Lord Christ. Are you serving the Lord Christ? For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done, and there's no partiality. It's the proper expectation. 2 Corinthians 5.10 writes it this way, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. Your work is a part of that. It's not just a job. It's not just service. So think about this. At the end of your work week or two weeks or month, however your pay schedule works, we receive a wage. We receive a reward, as it were. And at the end of our life, which is called to the singular service of our Lord and Savior, we will receive that which is warranted, that which is due, that which our works desire or that which grace has afforded to us, what our works deserve or what has been afforded to us. We need to think on that. We need to know that. We need to remember that. Knowing. Ephesians 6, 8, knowing that whatever good anyone does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether he is a bondservant or free. Know it. Keep this in your memory. Keep this in your mind. Keep it before you always, that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. Hear that from the Lord. We aren't just working for a paycheck or for the weekend. We work from the Lord to receive from the Lord that which is gift. And I am so thankful that I do not receive a wage from Jesus. I receive reward. Inheritance. I am so thankful that I do not get what I deserve because that would be a bill. An unpayable debt. I get a reward. One that I do not deserve, but one that he grants because of his work. Because Jesus Christ has done all the work for me and my salvation. That's the point. That's the drive. He's worked for us. What he's accomplished by way of his works of righteousness, he credits to us as though it was our service, as though it was our righteousness that we might serve in joy and thanks, knowing that we're simply doing good works which he's prepared beforehand, that we would walk in them, that we are doing kingdom service with gratitude, knowing that even in my flawed and imperfect work, I will receive an inheritance of full salvation and a place in a glorious kingdom forever. Is your work worth that? Does that kind of reward and blessing demand your life and your all? 1 Peter 1, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded for a faith ready to be revealed in the last time. It's about him and his work. Acts 20, 32, and now I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. 
Father, I want to serve you faithfully because by way of that work which you have planned for me, you are making me more like Jesus. In that reminder of knowing what, you are serving the Lord Christ. And literally, this should read more like an imperative. In knowing this, now comes the command, serve the Lord Christ. He's your master, he's your Lord, he's your blessing, he's your inheritance, he's your reward. Everything else we receive from our labor for him is gift, it's gravy, it's the cherry on top, it's extra But are we framing our labor that way? Are we framing our work that way? Because as we frame our labor, not just as a way to pay the bills, but as kingdom service, as Christ service, we won't settle for defining ourselves by fleshly things, by the things we possess, by the number in the bank account or the 401k, not by anything we possess in this world, not by any status we might think it brings us, but instead we'll work and serve and live in longing and expectation for the world to come and for the receipt of the blessed inheritance kept for us. But if we will not serve in this way, if we will not give our hearts to him in service to Christ, in submission to Christ, then that thing to be received is far different. For the wrongdoer will be paid back for the wrong he has done. And there's no partiality. There's no way to come and file a grievance with your employer in the last day, hoping to get a hearing and something cleared up. No, as F.F. Bruce writes, quote, the judgment on disobedience is as certain as the reward for faithfulness, end quote. See, people who do wrong and give themselves to wrong, denying the lordship of Christ, will receive what they deserve in the last day. We know that. But search your own heart. Don't keep overlooking wrong. Don't be callous about slacking. Don't presume upon grace. Obey in everything. In whatever you do, work heartily. Hold each other accountable to the same, for we are those who are serving Christ. Never look at your work as being unimportant, for the Lord sees it and knows it. Cry out to him in repentance and faith. As you seek to give your whole heart, every bit of yourself, in all things, in everything, in whatever, to his service and the service of others, seeking to show the Lord thanks and do honor, seeking that for which lasts for his glory. Amen. Our Lord and Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truth and the call of your word. And we cannot thank you enough for the completed work of Jesus Christ for all of his work of salvation and righteousness provided for us, we say thank you. But Father, we also confess to you at times that our work, our lives, 
don't always reflect or make known that reality. Father, help our unbelief and increase our faith. And Father, for those here who are continuing to cling to their own, or that it doesn't matter, or that they'll receive something better at the end anyway, may they be found in Christ today, not having a righteousness of their own. And so, Father, may this word, in recognizing your call, in recognizing what you've done, may it send us back into our work this week with joy and focus and diligence and great passion. And thanksgiving, Lord, for the gift that you have given us in your Son, in whose name we pray. Amen.